This is the Commonwealth City Church Podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at commonwealthcitychurch.com and follow us on Instagram at comcitychurch. We hope you enjoy the message. So if you wouldn't mind, staying with me as we honor reading of God's Word. Like I said, we're going to be in John 15, starting in verse 6. John 15, this is Jesus. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and he withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Jesus, thank you so much that you've given us the opportunity to get to come before you tonight and just honor, honor you, honor your word, get to know each other to know what the Lord is pressing on our hearts in this passage. Father, what a blessing it is. I pray that um, if anyone in this room just feels far from you, if they feel like that, that the world has just been continually making them caught up in all that's going on in their jobs and in their lives, and they haven't had time to focus on you, God, I pray that this is a time where they just get to come and rest in you. Father, I pray that they leave this room just looking more like you. Father, I pray that my words are not of my own. I pray that I don't boast in myself. I pray that I get to boast in the glorious name of Jesus and what it says in your word. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart are just pleasing to you, Father. Just pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Gosh, Jesus, you're our rock. You protect us. You're our redeemer, Lord. And you displayed that on the cross in your resurrection. Pray that we remember that tonight. In your name, amen. Y'all can have a seat. So as I was preparing for this talk tonight, I was thinking about just kind of what I generally get from the passage. So we've got five verses here. Uh, and this is kind of like smack dab in the middle of Jesus' long discourse or monologue or whatever you want to call it from chapters 14 to 16. And this section is almost in the middle of another little section where he talks about what it means to abide in him. Um, so you've been at, if you've been at Commonwealth the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about that. Uh, but this section almost kind of has some bookends on it for me. So, you know, we start in verse 6 with really the consequence of our, of our disconnection from the vine or our separation from Jesus and how we begin to wither. Um, and if you haven't been in this passage, we have this metaphor that's used throughout the entire message here, which is the vine dresser, the vine, and the branches, and how the vine dresser would act as the father. The vine is, is, the, is Jesus, which the father sent to earth, and, the, and then we are the branches which are produced from Jesus. So, uh, and it ends in verse 11 with the gift of the fullness of joy in Christ, and this is kind of how we're going to end tonight. I also just want to Thank, I'd like you to think about what a gift this is to have the fullness of joy in Christ. And if you've experienced that as a believer, then this is magnificent. 
But if you think of yourself as a branch, right, if we're going with this metaphor, you know, for the life and the well-being of, of the vine, you really aren't that important. In fact, you really aren't necessary. Kurt talked a little bit about last week about you look at a vine and you almost don't even notice the branches. But we still receive the benefit. We still receive joy and full in Christ. And not only that, but the vine dresser is pleased to give that to us. It's not a burden to him. It's not something that he, you know, is like, oh, like I got to provide for these branches. They're always screwing up all the time. No, but he, he, it's pleasing to him. I'm reminded of Luke 12, 32. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It just it brings him pleasure, and he gets glory from it. Guys, and we, we don't deserve that at all, but we, do, we get it. So starting in verse 6, um, if you look over it there, this is, this is not an easy place to start. This is not an easy verse. Um, but Jesus never promised us that all of his characteristics would be soft and comforting. Um, in fact, he's quite aggressive, and sometimes he's offensive. I mean, if, if you look back at verse 5, you see, that, you see that Jesus says, For apart from me, so when you're disconnected or separated, apart from me, you can do nothing. And verse 6 is really just an explanation of the consequences of what not being connected to the vine can do, as this is what nothing looks like. This is the consequence. And let me say this. If you've believed in the gospel, you believe that God sent his son as a sacrifice, if you believed that he defeated sin and death on your behalf by raising him from the dead, if you've admitted that you're a sinner and the only thing that can clean your slate is Jesus, the only thing that can cleanse you, is him, if you've given up ownership of your life to him, this doesn't apply to you. This consequence does not. But I guarantee you know someone who does. I guarantee there's someone in your life, whether it's your friends, maybe it's your family, coworkers, classmates, neighbors. This is the consequence for them. And it's put pretty simply in the first part of Romans 6.23 where it says, for the wages of sin is death. Their sin has separated them from God. And this is the consequence. Praise God that we have the second part of Romans 6.23. It's pretty good too. It says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As in, and here's the response, really. Like, even if you're a Jesus follower in this room or you're not, maybe this is the first time you've ever done anything like this. Like, the response to this is we continue to walk in sin. He just wants us to run to him. Just run to Jesus. That's all that he wants. There's a quote from Matt Chandler. It'll be up on the screen there. And it's, Matt Chandler is a pastor of a church that we get to pull some resources from a lot. And he says, um, to understand our position in the presence of God is to understand that in Christ we don't have to avoid but can run to regardless of what we're guilty of. I'll read that again. To understand our position in the presence of God is to understand that in Christ we don't have to avoid but can run to regardless of what we're guilty of. Guys, let's just run to the one 
who is willing to be a living sacrifice on earth so that we may live, that we may have life. I'm reminded of John 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's just like when you, when you were a kid and your, and your mom or dad would get home from work or get home from doing something, you'd just get so excited that they were home, you'd get to run to them and say, Mom, Dad, like, you're home, and you would em- embrace them. God's like, that's what the Father wants us to do to him. And it was just like such a natural thing, you know, like your mom would come home and you would just be so full of joy. That's what's offered to us in Christ. And the last thing of this, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, please do not forget that this is what you've also been saved from. Not only does it not apply to you, but this is what you've been saved from. You've been saved from withering, from being gathered, from thrown into the fire and burned. And guys, this is the best news. Like It doesn't get any better than that. I just pray that we are walking storytellers of what God has done in our hearts through Christ, just like every day, to all the people that we interact with. He's entrusted us as his ambassadors. I pray that we don't underestimate that. I often do. I'm preaching this to myself as well. I underestimate what it means to be Christ's ambassador about the message that I hold, that's the spirit that's in my heart, of what weight it has. And how much it can affect someone's life. I underestimate that. In verse 7. So there are a couple similar verses to this in the New Testament. Tell me to compare them. So we're going to look at them here. Uh, so John 15, 7, the one that we're studying now. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Another similar verse is John 14, 13 and 14. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 1 John 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the, this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So there's some obvious similarities in these verses, right? So we, Jesus and John in 1 John clearly want us to ask him for anything as long as it's in his name as long as it puts God in a place to be glorified or as long as it's for his will so in John 15 if you abide in me and my words abide in you give you whatever you wish John 14 whatever you ask in my name I will do that the father may be glorified in the son so we see this repeatedly through this verse so really being told to ask for anything specific specifically in prayer it's for the glorification of the Father. But it's so easy for us to ask for the receiving of favors or the satisfaction of our own desires when really, guys, it's so minimal in comparison to the communion that we get to have with Jesus through prayer, We're getting to talk to him and hear from him. What does that mean, like communion with him? I often think about that, and I think it's very easy for us to think about God as, as an authority figure, which he absolutely is. He's, he's king, he's creator, he's above all. But I think he also wants us to think of him as a friend. Instead of just an authority figure, he also wants us to think of him as a friend, someone that we can come to with anything that we may be struggling with. And 
He really does want to hear from us. So most of us are going to be going to see family for Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? We're going to be heading out of town, you know, maybe seeing some grandparents, some aunts, some uncles. Um, So I have a grandmother. Her name is Nanny. I call her Nanny. Her her real name is Deverl, which is great. Um, So Nanny is great. She is always so full of joy and love. And I know what really brings Nanny joy is getting to be around her grandkids, right? When me and my brother get to go and see Nanny, that brings her a whole lot of joy. So Nanny lives in Campbellsville, which is about an hour and a half or so from here. And so I'm a student and there's all these things going on. But Nanny calls me all the time. And a lot of the times I don't call Nanny back. I forget to call Nanny. And, you know, sometimes it's just like all she wants. You know, that she just wants to talk to me. That's it. And same, was, same thing with my aunt, you know. She'll, we'll go to my Aunt Donna's in Mount Washington for, for Thanksgiving, and you could get Aunt Donna zero gifts all year. No birthday, no Christmas, no anniversary, no anything, as long as you come to her house and let her cook for you and let, just talk to her, you know, hug her, all of these things. Like, as long as you do that, that's, what, that's just what she wants. You know, I think this is how God feels. You know, he just wants to hear from us. He just wants us in his presence because he knows that it's going to result, result in his glorification and our joy. He just wants to give that to us. We often fail to do that. So here's the first question. Some of these are going to be a little hard. And um, I think if we can talk about these questions, then these conversations can continue out as we go. I'm going to give you just a few minutes. But it says, are there... Things that you fail to pray consistently that you know you should. And why? Why do you fail to pray them consistently? So I know sometimes for me, just give you an example before you talk here, that sometimes there's a lack of belief in my heart that God will actually answer what, what I'm praying for. So I don't pray about it consistently. Your example, like my devotional life, like having personal time with Jesus and his word and prayer. Steve talked about a great example of how he does that this morning. Sometimes it can just get really inconsistent for me, and sometimes I just don't pray for that to change because, honestly, I sometimes believe that it won't. And God wants to convince me that, like, having that dialogue with him of, like, getting to hear from him through his word and talking to him through prayer, that that is better than, like, anything on this this earth, like, better than any treasure that I could perceived through, you know, video games or whatever it may be, that that's better. So go ahead and take like just a few minutes and talk with each other on this. Some of you all may have some things to say with each other. Okay, so just take a few minutes, talk about that, and then we'll come back. All right. Okay. All right, we're going to bring it back in here. I'm, I'm glad that people are still talking and, and having conversations. That's, that's awesome. I hope that these are able to continue as we leave. Um, so we're going to move on to verse 8 here. So if you, if you look down in your Bibles, we see that we've been talking a lot about what it means for the Father to be glorified and how he receives glorification from, from our praise and receiving joy in him. So it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So what does it look like to be a faithful branch, which we are, that produces fruit? And I was thinking about that, and I think it's really easy for me to say, you know, as long as I go to church, as long as I pray, as long as I read my Bible, meet with my discipleship partner, 
You know, but I know my heart. I know my sinful nature. And if I'm not careful, I will totally rely on myself for the completion of, of all of these things. My mom was just talking about how when she, when she prays, she feels like it, it gets hard because she wants to be in total control and can't just like fully give it up to God, which is a great confession. And I loved getting to hear that from her. So really, you know, when I'm relying on myself and the completion of those things, all for me, I'm not really being a faithful branch because I'm not receiving my nourishment from the vine. I'm receiving it from myself. And that's just not going to work. Like, it's just never going to fulfill me in the way that, that I need. You know, Jesus never once, like, went up to his disciples and was like, hey, like, haven't got your, haven't got your reading log yet. Like, don't know what you've been in this week, bro. Like, like, haven't got your checklist. Like, it hasn't came across my desk. You know, like, he, he never said, like, no, he just tells them to follow him. He just tells them to follow him. And it's never, he also says it's, like, it's never going to be easy. Like, he tells them that he's going to send them out like sheeps among wolves. You know, in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Guys, that's not comfortable. And there's no way that we can do it on our own. There's just no way. We have to have that nourishment from the vine. And, and when we have that nourishment of the vine, that is when we have production of fruit in our lives. You know, our fruit ends up becoming evidence of the truth of the gospel, right? So we have Jesus who, who died and then clearly rose from the dead. And we know that he clearly rose from the dead because he now lives in our hearts, which him living in our hearts and how we produce that fruit, that becomes evidence that he's no longer in the grave because he's rose from the dead and lives in our hearts. And like, we see this in spirit-filled people every day, you know? I see this in so many of you all, and it's made ginormous impacts on my life. We're going to move on, verses 9 and 10 there. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I think we can, we can often really get these mixed up for how we, how we interpret these verses. And I think he's wanting to tell us that as we grow in our love for Christ by abiding in him, then we have the desire to obey him. But it's really easy for us to say that we're going to obey his commands so that we will love Christ more. Does that make sense how there's kind of like opposites there, you know? So I'm engaged. Some of you all didn't know that. Her name is Emily. She's sitting right over here. She would love to meet you if you haven't already. Um, so something that I love about Emily is her willingness to serve others above herself all the time. And she does this in so many ways. She'll always be there for you if you, if you need something, if you need just someone to talk to or listen to you. She serves really well. She's a... Just a really selfless person, and, and sometimes she surprises you with it. So, for example, just the other day, Emily cleaned my room for me, which was very nice. And I actually didn't know that she was doing it. I don't, don't even know how she got in. She must have, like, she used to, Emily lives in Richmond and goes to CKU. She doesn't live in Lexington. I guess she just, like, broke in or something so she could clean my room. That's how well she wants to serve me. Um, no, I'm sure the, the roommates let her in, but... Um, you know, she, I came in, and, and she was there, and she's like, hey, I cleaned your room. Like, all the clothes were folded. Bed was made. She didn't clean my bathroom, but that's okay. 
But, you know, like, that was a great way for her to serve me, you know? And but it's the same thing, though. Did, did Emily need to clean my room so that her love for me would, would grow and increase? No, it, it wasn't like, hey, Trey, I just wanted you to know I cleaned your room so, so that I would love you more. You know, she wasn't, like, thinking in her head, like, oh, man, just, like, really haven't been loving Trey that much recently. Maybe if I cleaned his room, like, I would start to love him more. No, like, she's able to abide in Jesus. She's able to receive love from him so that she loves me more. It gave her a desire to serve me. Guys, it's growing in your love for Christ by abiding in him so that you may obey him. We're going to continue to grow in our love for him, and we start to be sanctified, and we start to be shaped more into the image of Jesus. And if we start to do that enough, that starts to happen enough in our hearts, our disobedience is just going to start to be replaced with obedience in every way. You know, and this is, is still a learning process, especially for Emily and I. You know, the, the things that we do for each other, we, we want to do them because we abide in Jesus, but it's really easy for us to do them because we, you know, have the desire to please each other or please ourselves or to please the people around us. So we often start to become afraid of the consequences of what each other or ourselves or other people in our life may think because of what we do and how we act. The result of, of being afraid causes us to obey out of an obligation or a fear. And I think that's how we retreat our relationship with Jesus a lot. We obey him out of, out of obligation just because that's how it's always happened. That's how we grew up. We go to church. You know, we do our devotional. Jesus wants us to love him, abide in him, and be glad to obey. We're about to get into verse 11. Have joy in him and be glad to obey. So we got our second question. Talk for a few more minutes. It says, in what area of your life are you obeying out of an obligation or fear instead of love? In what area of your life are you obeying out of an obligation or fear instead of love? So just take some time with your tables again. Talk about that for a few minutes, and we'll come back. All righty. Come on, bring it back in here. Thanks so much for being willing to have conversation. I know this is a little different. So like I said, I hope these conversations are able to continue. You know, if, so, if there was a thought left unsaid, I hope that you're able to continue it afterwards. Uh, Adam's shaking his head back there. He probably had a thought unsaid. That's okay. Um, verse 11. Verse 11 says this. It says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. These things I've spoken to you, so all these things that Jesus is saying, like this is for you right now, this is for you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. I just can't, I can't think about this verse without thinking of another verse. It's Psalm 16, 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That like in, in his presence, we get to be offered fullness of joy. That like regardless of what we're going through, regardless of what obligation we may be having, that like he offers us something so much better. 
So like, you know, we've probably talked about some hard things in these questions tonight. Both of them aren't, weren't very easy to answer. They might have not necessarily been uplifting. But I believe that like the Lord is doing something in that to convince you that your spirit and your heart is doing something in you to convince you that you have a great opportunity to experience more joy in Christ. And not just like happiness, not just something that you're going to experience of this world, but like actually something that's given to you from like a divine spirit that is not going away. There is like an abundance of it. He's doing something in your heart that's going to be so much better than you could ever ask or think. The only way for us to experience the fullness and just experience the presence of God is just to stop trying to do those things on our own. Just abide in Him. And praise God that He's He's given us His only Son and His ability to live. Be the liver of a perfect life, the giver of a perfect sacrifice. He died on a cross, rose from the dead. Guys, like He He was willing to accomplish what we couldn't. Because of that and His ability to accomplish that, despite all of our sin. All of our worry, all of our anxiety, all of our doubt. He accomplished what we couldn't. We still have the benefit. We still benefit from that. We receive his grace, which gives us joy in full. I pray that we're just able to lean into this and know the presence of God, it provides us with joy in Christ. And if we, if we know this, like if we truly believe this, that this is true, that regardless of anything in this world, your job, your family, whatever it is, if you can experience more joy in Christ than anything, this is going to be, it's just going to have to be contagious in the way that you live. To everyone. It will just have to be contagious. I'm going to finish with this. It's just another psalm from Psalm 80. It says this, it says, restore us O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took deep root and filled the land. Gosh, just as the vine was taking deep root in the promised land through the people of Israel, as Jesus has taken deep roots in Lexington. He wants to fill the land with the Spirit of God. And praise God that that Spirit is in our hearts and He's trusted us as His ambassadors. Let's just, let's just pray that He would do that.